Hi, and welcome to episode 342 of No Crying in Baseball. The potty mouth might actually be my Phillies boyfriend episode. My name's Patty, and I'm here with my possible <laughs> Phillies boyfriend friend. Potty mouth, how are you? I have so many questions. Like, you, you definitely tend to surprise me at the beginning of the of the shows with our, our cute little titles. But, you know, I mean, I know that Bostonians and Philly, Philadelphians have a lot in common in our vernacular and our in our attitudes and, and stuff. So I do appreciate the Philly fan. A Philly's boyfriend, though. All right. Yeah, that means yeah. I have a lot in common with a certain Philly, right? Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Or or a relative of theirs. But you'll, okay. I think it, it's all complimentary, but you'll have to hold tight to get there. Excellent. Excellent. Sounds hey, good. We are we are not at our usual studio. We are in so way different places than usual. That, yeah. I, so I am at dad's house. And uh, so it's sort of close to Boston and have been influenced by all the fun Boston sports watching. Actually, we had apparently the Bruins have um, been having issues lately. And we watched one of those issues last night where they lost in overtime, which is just a shitty way to lose when they were like ahead. You know, they kept being the ones ahead and then the, the L.A. kept tying it up. And then um, it just ended poorly. So I guess that's been sort of the uh, way things have been going around here. But but the excitement around this household for sure is the basketball thing that's happening. And the Celtics just rocking it this this season. And dad was um, very into watching the the skills. I don't even what the fuck's it called? The things that they did with the basketballs last night, the skills it's probably Contest. a skills competition, yeah. There, there we go. So the the exciting thing for Celtics fans are almost exciting things. Jalen Brown was barely edged out by Mac McClung for the slam dunk contest, which was really amusing to watch. Like, you have to have a setup guy. It's just, yeah. it kind of looks like a leapfrog kind of thing. You know, the guy's there, and then they check to make sure the basketball's in the right place, and then they do stuff that looks really cool. And so I appreciate skills competitions. Um, but the part that uh, that Dad and, and my stepmom told me about that they were looking forward to, which I had no clue about, was Sabrina Ionescu, who who plays for the New York Liberty, WNBA, did the three-point shoot-off against Steph Curry. And I've seen, there's like, you know, everybody's going to have their fucking take on it. I think we can just say it was, it's a cool thing that it happened. She right. was mighty close. And there's the whole, like, what does it mean if she wins or loses? And it, she was close. It was a great shoot off. And one of the, the big points was that she shot from the NBA line, not the WNBA line. And she was very purposeful about that. But of course, then there's the, the assholes who are like, well, she was using a WNBA ball, but yeah, she plays for the WNBA. And that kind of makes sense. So Good God. I don't know. You know, take take what you can about it. But one, one last thing I just want to mention about women playing basketball before we go over to the smaller balls um, is that Brittany Griner, uh, her, her, did you see this? Her um, university number was retired today from Baylor. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So it was like, you know, big ceremony and, and number, and she was number 42. Wow. Wow. I wonder, I wonder if, about that. I wonder if there were baseball reasons that she yeah. picked that. How interesting. Yeah. So well, that's that's my basketball field uh, trip here. And and where are you at? So I'm just outside of Albany. I'm not doing a sports thing. I'm doing a family thing. Um, my family is celebrating frivolous February. Um, which there was <laughs> the best kind of February. Fun and games and food and a, 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 a frivolous gift exchange. And it was a really good time. So I'm Got, you know, one more evening here with family before I head back to home tomorrow. I had a great time. You know, kids came in from the three different colleges where the kids are at. So it was it was like the whole gang. Were there any humorous gifts? Like what was the best gift that was got or given? 
So <laughs> I have a couple of favorites. Um, I think I did well, but that's okay. We don't have to go there. But um, my, my own kid was given t a tiny little USB-powered leaf blower and leaf <laughs> vacuum, which actually are, are they're clearly meant to like clean up like your keyboard and stuff. You have to plug it in, but they are actually look like lawn tools. So they were actually very fantastic. So we had a lot of fun playing with those later. That is brilliant. I'm going to like file that idea away in the like when you don't know what the fuck to get somebody for a gift. This would be a really cute thing. To yeah, do. it's it's good. It's pretty good. We, we did play with that for a while. <laughs> and, and then it's, it's entertainment. That's really cool. Yeah, and it was just a good party. And then we had delicious dinner. And the, the, you know, the kids are all adults now. And they're really interesting, fun people. And I just Aww. like hanging out with everybody. Yeah, and then you can all go out drinking together, right? Um, we may or may have not. We did. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We did. <laughs> <laughs> that happened. Hey, I want to follow up on something we talked about a couple weeks ago because I have an answer for you. We talked about how okay. um, Cleveland's home opener on April 8th is the same day as the solar eclipse. They were the, to the totality, because Cleveland's in the path of, of totality for the eclipse. And they were trying to figure out what they're going to do about timing because usually they do a 4 o'clock ga game. And it, mm -hmm. um, the peak is going to be at 3.13 for about four minutes where it's going to be completely dark. They decided they're opening the park at 2 so people can come in and watch from... The ballpark, and I assume, you know, avail themselves of many concessions for a couple of hours. And then first pitch will be delayed until 510. So oh. there'll be plenty of time for, you know, everything to, to clear up um, and uh, and be back to normal for baseball. So if you're planning on going to the Cleveland Hub Opener, it's at 510, but go early so you can watch the total eclipse from your ballpark seat. I hope they kind of like milk that experience and have like eclipse merch somehow, you know, like something themed would be cool. Drinks. I, I am sure someone's <laughs> on it. I'm sure someone's on it. Yeah. You gotta be drinking some sundowns. <laughs> yes. Oh, actually speaking of drinking, I have a local beer that, um, oh. that my father-in-law got and it's called Wolf Hollow. Um, it's Wolf Hollow Amber, American Amber Ale from the Wolf Hollow Brewing Company in Glen Falls, New York. And it's really quite delicious. And I was very excited that that was in the fridge when I got when I got here. So that's there's a benefit of traveling. We get to like you know pitch some some local breweries from very, various other places. And I wish I had kept my cans with me because the first beer that we had when we were dealing with our technical issues was a blueberry beer from down the Cape. But I can't remember. I think it was Barnstable Brewery. I, I'm pretty sure. And now I am on to the local. Uh, I think it's an Andover Oak and Iron Brewery, and this is a beer. I don't know what it is. It begins with a V, and it's a long <laughs> word that that you kind of like cough a little bit while you're saying it. So I, that I, I, if I can't see it, I can't see it written down. I don't know, but it tastes good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, actually, um, my first night here, we went to a local brewery called Mixed Breed, where I had a very delicious cream ale, which took me back to my Jenny Cream days of, of my youth, nice. and also a super delicious sour, which was I think it was called. What was it called? I don't know. It was some like summer and December kind of thing, but it was very yummy. And I felt like I got my servings of fruit in. But we had, and we played pinball. And whenever you get to play pinball and drink, a, you know, a, a local beer, it's a good night. That is great. Yeah. Right, sounds good. Hey, so on today's show, we've got some hot stove. We've got the arbitration scorecard. We've got a five-year plan to find us a new commissioner of baseball. We've got our guys on the Rangers and the Phillies. We've got women on the field and in the booth. Our police blotter features arrests and also some crafty mayors, and we're cross-training with women's hockey. All good stuff. All right, we're going to start off by checking on the past week some stuff that's been happening around, I guess it's a lukewarm stove. It's a very <laughs> slow, slow-burning stove. 
But speaking of some energy, Jorge Soler, solar power, uh, solar power, uh, also known as, who I picked as a baseball boyfriend way back in 2020 when he was on the Royals, and now he just signed three years and $42 million with the Giants. He notably declined his player option with the Marlins, which was worth a lot less, and depending on which article I read, it had a different number on him, so I'm just going to leave those numbers out. But he is a power hitter, as we say up here in New England. He had 36 home runs last year with an 853 OPS. So power to the Giants for signing, signing Mr. Solaire. Very nice, very nice. Hey, so Whit Merrifield was my um, OG boyfriend in 2018 mm-hmm. for the Royals. He's 34 years old, three-time All-Star. He just signed a one-year contract with the Phillies. So it's $7 million plus bonuses, and there's a club option for a second year. They didn't want to sign him straight up for two years, so it's one year plus an option. And if he gets the option, it's another $8 million, or if they don't take the option, um, Witt gets another million dollars for a buyout. So it's it's at least $8 million, really, depending on how you look at things. Um, this is going to be different for him because he's usually like the, the you know, a full-time guy. This is kind of a part-time role for him because he'll be backing yeah. up Marsh and Rojas, who you're going to hear more about in a little bit, in the outfield, and also Stott, who you're going to hear about uh, later on at second base. So this is kind of a new thing for him. But, again, you know, the Phillies are kind of known for um, their daycare, you know, all the, the, <laughs> the, the young kids. And so this is kind of, you know, they're bringing in – you know, remember they, they lost Reese Hoskins, who was – you know, first base. So Wit, I think, might be kind of also reflecting that sort of role that Reese Hoskin has. You know, so there we go. So I wish him well. For sure. Cool Wit. We like Cool Wit. Yep. There is so much. I don't know if any of this will have happened by the time you dear listeners hear this, but there are a shitload of players who are still out there as free agents waiting to be signed. Meanwhile, uh, games are starting next weekend, which is so exciting. So literally, this is the last time that we're recording without MLB games happening. Be it, you know, I'll be at spring training, but still, that's really, really soon. And pitchers and catchers have been at it for a while, so you would think that it would be nice to have your pitching rotation, you know, at least a general idea. But Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery are still unsigned at the time of recording, as are Cody Bellinger. Uh, and Matt Chapman and, and a whole bunch of other other guys. But the, the notable thing about those four that I just mentioned is that they are Scott Boris boys. So c- here's where it comes down to I don't like either side and I don't know who to blame. So maybe you can help me work this out because I, I've seen some stuff with um, fellow podcasters saying things like, we should just have a limit. Like, this is ridiculous. There should be a, a signing deadline. Although that's what Manfred wants. So that immediately makes me go, <laughs> e. you know, I, yeah. I got to doubt anything that Manfred supports. <laughs> that sounds like shit, but it's true. So back, way back in 2019, he actually said that they, they made proposals to the, ML, the Players Association, the MLBPA, to that effect. And he said they were not warmly received. And so Scott Boris... Uh, rebutted recently and said deadlines are death lines to the players it's a death of their right to free agency basically it's an artificial reason not to get your value and teams cannibalize deadlines also what happens if somebody doesn't sign by the deadline like how do you work out the penalties can they not be signed and like you know what are you gonna do so i don't like either of those perspectives yes yeah, i i don't i i 
I am going to actually agree with Boris on that part of it is that the deadline is never going to benefit the player. Mm -hmm. It is not because it's going to be like, okay, well, here's our last and best offer, man. We're not going to go any higher than this. So either take this or you're not going to play or you're going to be penalized or whatever. But, you know, we made our offer. What are you going to do? Because the, the team always has the power in these situations. Yeah. Although this sucks for fans, though, like right now. You know, well, are, you know, I'm sure the players would prefer to be signed too. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what the holdup is, so I can't, you know, answer that. But I do get that I don't see how a deadline would benefit the players ever. Yeah, I wonder, and then I start wondering about like management or ownership collusion. Like, are they? See, I don't know. You right? Know? Right? Who knows? Right. Bah. I want to see them on a team that I like. And at this point, I don't. I mean, you know, Red Sox, of course, in my heart, but I just want to see them on a team I like. You know, I want to see them play. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Hey, so um, re- very closely related to that, arbitration wrapped up this past week. There were two weeks of hearings. These are the um, the situations where the player and the team could not come to an agreement, and so their hearings went to an independent three-person board to hear arguments on both sides and make a decision on do we take the player's number or do we take the team's number. So this is the first time since 2019 that the players won more of the hearings than the owners did. The players won nine out of the 15 contested um, salary negotiations here. Uh, Alec, it's a couple of note. Um, Alec Bohm, uh, old Philly's boyfriend of mine, um, this was his first year that he was arbitration eligible and he won big. He got $4 million versus the 3.4 that the Phillies were offering wow. him. So that was pretty cool. Weirdly, Luis Reyes, two-time batting champ, lost to the Marlins. Uh, he asked for 12, and he's getting $10.6 million. He won last year, way lower numbers. Um, last year, he won at $6.1 million versus $5 million, which, is, which was a big difference that he got. Um, but two-time batting champ, people. The last time, however, that a player won two consecutive years in a row was Trevor Bauer in oh, 2018 cool. and 2019. Um, our friend Tanner Taipans won versus that, the Marlins. Tanner Scott, right? Tanner Scott won um, 5.7 million versus 5.15, which is almost twice his um, 2023 salary. He had a career season. Wow. So he he won big. So that's actually pretty exciting. Um, the O's had the most arbitration eligible players this year out of all the teams. They had like 13. They had a lot. They had a lot. Mm. Um, they, only two of them ended up going all the way to hearings. Um, in fact, um, um, Ryan O'Hearn, uh, they settled with him just before the hearings. They actually split the difference. He was asking for 3.5 million, and the, uh, no, the, uh, the O's were saying 3.5. He was asking for 3. I'm lying. I keep lying. I'm sorry. That's all right. I, asked, I believe anything you say, really. He ended up with 3.5. All right, the, that's good. He asked for 3.8. The O's said 3.2, so they agreed. They they actually just compromised and gave like the middle before going to um, the actual arbitration hearing. So it's not necessarily a done deal until you go to the hearing. Um, the two people went all the way to hearings. The players both won, Austin Hayes oh, cool. um, and Jacob Webb both won those hearings. So there you have it. Um, back to Rob Manfred, who you very much want to disagree with. Yes, he, always. Uh, he just, you know, he signed an extension to his gig last summer, and he let it slip, or he said out loud, I don't know how much of it was a slip, but in response to a question um, about expansion, right, about expansion teams, he said, I don't think that would be done by the time 
I leave in January 2009. It's like, oh, look, he's deciding. He's saying out, up front that when his term expires in January 2029, he's really done. He will be have been on the job for 14 years. Uh, he'll be 70 years old at that time. The things that are coming up in the near future for him that are going to be big deals, there's going to be a new CBA negotiated in 2026. And then right now, his, his baby that he's got to work on that this could turn out well, fingers crossed, is a, you know, a streaming way to watch MLB games without blackouts. Because right now the blackouts are a subject, are because there's all these regional, regional sports networks that have contracts. And MLB can't, you know, go, the teams can't go against these contracts in order mm-hmm. to stream to, you know, the home location. But if a lot of those are going broke, so Manfred's trying to come up with some sort of, you know, universal, we're going to stream everything. You can see your home team play. You can, you know, it doesn't matter, no blackouts, not there yet, but that's really high on his list. Um, in the past, owners have formed a search committee and have taken a couple years to identify people and, you know, kind of get them on board and have them learn the job for a while. I've mm-hmm. only, I've seen a couple of, oh, it's going to be this person or this person. Of course, all men. Yeah. Sure. All men. It's like, hello, Kim Eng, anybody? There's, right. There are women out there who are ready for this. I think, and, you know, between now and five years from now, please let some of these lists and some of this serious um, headhunting involve women who are qualified to do this job. I mean, um, Dan Halem, who's um, like the second in command to Rob Manfred comes up a lot. He's been, he was the lead on the negotiations for the CBA from the, from the league side. So that's how everybody knows him. You know, Theo Epstein, that ship kind of sailed. Everyone's all for him. But now that he's got this ownership in the, you know, in the Fenway group, that's probably less likely because why would he take mm-hmm. a pay cut? Um, so I'm still crossing my fingers for Kim or a very strong, very capable woman that I am not yet aware of. Yeah. Wow. So is there any diversity in the group? Do you know? Like zero? Um, I, you know, there's probably a 20 year difference from the youngest to the oldest white man. If that's what you're asking. Yeah, (laughs) that's baseball management diversity right there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Damn it. All right. To be continued though. So I've got, I have two hopes with that. I hope that he leaves with something that I'm happy about, which is like that streaming thing. That would be lovely to, to have something that we like about him before he goes. And then, you know, maybe a replacement will come. That will be um, wonderfully qualified and much different. So, uh, as I'm getting another beer delivered, but it's the same beer as before. It's just a different version or a different can's worth. And we're going to talk about this week's Baseball Boyfriends, the guys that we pick in the offseason. We are almost done. We're getting close. Um, We've been doing two guys a week all the way through. And then at the end of this mess, we're going to create a wonderful fantasy league. And if you're interested... Let us know because Patty is commish extraordinaire, extraordinaire, absolutely. All those um, things. But yeah, it's so so cool. So and it's so much fun, and so you know we're at the point where we have to start being a little bit. Well, maybe I should have done this beforehand, but we need to be strategic about our picks because we're building a fantasy team. So we need guys at every position, and we need backup guys, and so. At first blush, I was not going to pick Jonah Heim for the Rangers because I felt like I was pretty good with catchers. I've got pretty solid catchers. I have Gabriel Moreno, who's very solid, definitely going to be my starting catcher no matter what. And then I looked around the rest of the Rangers, and I didn't have a really solid reason to pick anybody else. And there was a couple people that I looked into that I was just like, you know, I can't in good con- – it's just not the kind of guy I would have a beer with. There, there was nothing to, like, make them – a blackout from our baseball boyfriend list, but it just wasn't a potty mouth pick. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go with Jonah Heim, and why not have both 
catcher gold glove gold glove winners from 2023 on my fantasy team and if you know if he's my backup catcher that's fine with me especially if i wasn't going to use the other guys and he was also all-star catcher from 2023 um one thing that i like to pay a little bit of attention to is their style in, in grooming right and jonah heim had a lot of hair for a while but, and we, we talk about Qhar, our friend Ollie helped us invent the, the stat of quality hair above replacement, but I think in his situation, Q was for quantity and not quality. So he had the length, but it was kind of not doing a lot for him. Last, uh, last season, he spent a little bit of time on the IL, a couple weeks, end of July, beginning of August, with a wrist tendon strain. And at that point, his wife had a little talk with him and said that he was looking like Lord Farquaad from Shrek. So not, <laughs> not, uh, not, not complimentary. Exactly. And so that part leaked out to the press. So he was directly asked that in, in an interview. Did she really say those words? And he said, and I quote, unfortunately, it's true. There was comments made. And he said, was not worse. So you know, that's how he said it. There was comments made. And then hair was cut. We'll just leave <laughs> it at that. So he came back sporting a little bit more of a fashionable uh, hairstyle that there's some lovely pictures of. I think there's something he can do midway, but that'll be, you know, that will be seen in the future. So maybe the, the long hair originated as, as a mullet or something because he's from Buffalo, New York, which is not really a baseball town. It gets pretty chilly up there. A lot of hockey going on, a lot of football. There is a not triple a, a team. Thank you very th- much. There you go. Triple A team is there. Yeah, I think as far as like kids growing up opportunities yeah, to play, right. you know what I mean? Just because it's cold. There's not, you know, it's, that's a lot of months of winter. Um, so when he was, but he really just took to baseball, loved it. And 11 or 12, he, he said to his dad that he wanted to start switch hitting because he was getting bored just hitting from one side of the plate. Oh, sure. I can so, see that. Yeah. So his dad, so this is another one where, like, I want to hang out with the dad big time. His dad did everything to support his interest in baseball. They were, uh, his, his dad struggled, you know, financially a little bit, had to work an extra job, delivered pizza at night in order to pay for those winter winter ability to play baseball because that costs money when you have to go inside uh they didn't have a tee a batting tee so they would go to the park with a bucket of balls and just hit them from both sides of the plate Uh, he did not he he did sign out of high school he was not initially going to go he was looking for college opportunities because he didn't think he'd be going in an early round and he had a 75 percent scholarship with michigan state and it sort of sounded like that just wasn't enough. But also, he was signed with the O's in the fourth round. Good enough for him. Stayed in the minors from 2013 to 16. And then in 16, he was traded to the Rays. So he actually ended up in, uh, in low A with my last year's Rangers pick, uh, first baseman Nathaniel Lowe, and uh, got to know each other then and then reunited on, on the Rangers. After that one year, though, 2017, he was traded to the A's, to Oakland. So trying to, you know, uh, up his game a little bit in the offseason, played in Lidom in the Dominican League for Toros del Este and just rocked it. Batted 301 with 11 RBI in just 20 games. So all set for 2020, made the A's for that 2020 year. Not such a great year for, for playing baseball, but... He made it and debuted in August against the Rangers. So against the team that he he wound up with. 
And then he called his dad and his dad said that right there was just a weird sign because he never called. You know, it's like my kids like this too. You text. It's just the easiest way to go. You don't, especially like not calling out of the blue. So his dad's first reaction was, are you getting traded? And it was, no, I'm being called up, dad. And that's when he, he debuted. And I, apparently dad just sort of lost his shit. And his little brother said to, to dad, you're making a fool of yourself. And dad responded, your brother's going to the bigs. You're darn gone right I am. So since they couldn't be there but still wanted to make a big deal out of it, they had an outdoor uh, socially distanced party so that dad could yell during the game. And he said, so this is a quote from dad, I don't know if it'll ever be normal. And quite honestly, I don't think I ever want it to be normal. It should be exciting, shouldn't it? So dad's the best watching, and he's in Buffalo, and uh, Heim was playing for the A's, so the time difference was a little wonky, and sometimes he would be up by himself late at night watching the game, and he said, I once said a curse word at a coach for not pitching to Jonah. So this is where I'm like, all right, dad's my baseball boyfriend as well. (laughs) So all these articles that I read about dad, though, referred to his Twitter account, which I tried to look up, and it's not there, or X, whatever. So maybe, I don't know if dad bailed because of X being shitty, or who knows why dad bailed, but I would like to be able to, I'm going to start like hunting down dad and see if he's on any social media. That sounds just a anywhere. little stalkerish. Maybe you want to reel that back a tiny bit. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't right. know. Maybe not hunting. I'm going to see if I can connect with Jonah Heim's dad because I want, done. Be, I want to you. be baseball buddies with him. And, and I would love to have a beer and watch games with him. So Jonah played 13 games in that yucky 2020 year. And then February 21, the A's traded him along with Chris Davis, Chris with a K, your former baseball boyfriend, and right-handed pitcher Dane Acker to the Rangers for Elvis Elvis Andrews, also a former pick of yours, Aramis Garcia, and some money. So he was up for 82 games in 21, um, including two amazing appearances, July 31st and August 1st, where he hit walk-off home runs in back-to-back games. Whoa, that's awesome. So a little bit of a, of a spark there. Totally cool. He was up to 127 games in 22, and in April he hit his first career Grand Slam off of Shohei Otani, which apparently, huh. at least as far as I could find, is the only Grand Slam that Shohei Otani has given up at this point. He had a huge improvement in stats from 22 to 23. He went up 30 points in his average from 227 to 258 and like 50 over 50 in his OPS from 697 to 755. So 23, the breakout year, the gold glove year, the World Series year. I'm hoping for great things for him for next year. Um, last year, he's, he's super close with his family. His wife, Kenzie, is adorable, and he's very supportive of Ken's, Kenzie's online boutique, which you should check out, everybody out there who, who likes a little bit of good shopping, at Freckles and Linens. She has some really good sales on cute stuff going on right now. So check out <laughs> Kenzie Himes uh, shopping there. And they have two kids named Nash and Lux, double X. Kenzie's mom is um, sadly suffering from ALS, and there's Lou Gehrig Day, and she came and um, pitched the first pitch last year with with Jonah aptly catching her first pitch. So wishing the best to all the members of the Heim family. For sure. I picked out my Texas boyfriend, Evan Carter, last year during the postseason because he was spectacular, and I thought, 
why don't I know about him? Well, I didn't know about him because he really had just been called up like a half second before the postseason started. So I feel okay about that. Anyway, Evan Carter is only 21. He's center fielder. Yes. He's from little town, smaller than our little town, um, Elizabethton, Tennessee, which she loves so much. She has the coordinates of the town tattooed on his forearm. And I'm like, you know, I could see myself, you know, wrapping Tacoma Park, but right now I'm doing it with a hoodie, which seems less painful. Yeah. Same. He's got a really good relationship with his dad. They text every day, and his dad, at some point every day, texts him the two words, slow down. (laughs) And what he really means is, like, take, enjoy what you're doing, right? Don't get so worked up. Slow down, look around and say, you know, just really enjoy where you're, where you are, because where you are is kind of incredible. His dad is an assistant principal and an athletic director. And he, he actually built with Evan a batting cage for their basement when Evan was in eighth grade, not necessarily because, oh my gosh, my kid has to make the major leagues, but because he was tired when he got home from work and didn't want to have to go back out <laughs> to take him somewhere else <laughs> to practice. So they used the basement and they used it so much they had to replace the netting multiple times. And all. apparently it's still there. He, as, um, he said, as a dad, I just want to leave it there. It's kind of my way of thinking about him every day, Aww. which is kind of sweet, kind of yeah. sweet. So he went to... Elizabethton High School, which makes sense, right? His junior year, he, he was he um, he is a two-way guy, right? So he hit 324, and he also had an ERA of 134, and pitched six complete games. So you know he's not he's not a pitcher. He's not a pitcher now, but boy, he sure was in high school. But okay, this is how old we are and how young these guys are now. Because we we for a couple years talked about oh they missed playing in the minors because of COVID, right? Evan Carter missed playing his senior year in high school. Oh, my God. Because of COVID. They played three games, and then the rest yeah. of the season was canceled. And boy, does that screw with your draft chances. Yeah. Right? Because this, you know, when you're drafted, sure, it's junior year in college, but it's, you know, you're on your way out of high school is the other time that you're eligible. And if they don't get to see you play your senior year, I mean, he played great his junior year, but there was no opportunity to actually scout him. Mm-hmm. So um, he had committed to Duke University. Um, he was not on anybody's radar, right? He was not on any like, top 200 draft lists. Nobody knew who he was. And yet, and yet in 2020, in round two, remember this was the only the five round draft, right? The COVID year, the Rangers picked him in the second round. He was the 50th pick of the whole draft class. And one of the comment, like the commentators like, who's this guy? Who is this guy? Who, like, they had nothing. They had like a couple of stats, but there was there was no like color commentary about him because no one expected him to be there. And one of the commentators actually said, there's a lot of guys in the draft that probably should go to college before, and he's one of them. And this was the guy that the Rangers oh. picked right out of high school. He has since apologized because really he was wrong. <laughs> um, a complete aside, Evan Carter was also valedictorian of his class, Aww. which makes me super happy. Anyway, so yeah. fast forward to 2022, where he wins the minor league gold glove award for the outfield. He was rated at the best defensive outfielder by Baseball America in the Rangers organization by Baseball America. Um, Baseball America named him the Texas Rangers minor league player of the year. So, you know, this investment, oh, it was one point like two, five million dollar signing bonus, which is also pretty big for who? That's who? a bunch. Who is this guy, right? So last season, 2023, he started in double A. 
He didn't go to AAA until August 29th, which was his 21st birthday. He stayed in AAA for a total of eight games, not long enough to ever play at that AAA team's home stadium. He joined them on a road trip and left them before they finished that road trip. That's weird. Um, Adelise Garcia got hurt, and so he was he got the call up to to fill in. From, so he debuted on September 8th versus the A's, That's where an he, day. he he yes he he walked, he stole a base, he had a single. He played only 23 games in the big leagues before the postseason started. And that's where me and everybody else discovered who the heck this kid, Evan Carter, is. He hit his first postseason home run in the second postseason game he played, right? So he was the youngest Ranger to ever homer in the postseason. In the wild card series versus Tampa Bay, he reached base in seven of eight at-bats. During the postseason, he had 18 hits, which is seventh all-time for a rookie in the postseason. His 10 walks tied Craig Council for the most by a rookie in the postseason. And his 917 OPS was second only to Corey Seeger, who was the World Series MVP. Right? This this was, you know, he played like all of like 40 games, including the postseason. His nine doubles were the most ever all time in a single postseason run. So he was sort of magic. So okay, so he played 40 games, including the 23 in the regular season and the games that he played in the postseason. Overall, he hit 303. In those 40 games, right? Um, a 989 OPS total, six home runs, six stolen bases. So there was someone who wrote an article about, well, you know, watch him because if these numbers are true, and he extrapolated the hell out of these numbers, which I think is kind of funny because, again, 40 yeah. games. Right? Well, you know, if he plays this out, he could put, have a 2020 season or maybe even a 30-30 season in 2024. Like, sure. You know, he could, <laughs> but you might be, like, wishing a little too hard. But he definitely has gold glove potential. He made spectacular catches. Um, he did a lot of work to learn um, the ballparks that he was in for the first time, right? He hadn't played in these ball- any of these ballparks before to figure out how he was going to manage, like, difficult hits, how to, you know, how to chase them down in the outfield. Um, he married, you, you might appreciate this, uh, his wife, Kaylin, who he married in December 2022, known her since the sixth grade. So that's kind of this long-term, you know, thing. That I th- They're babies. They are babies. They are babies. But you know what? I think they, they feel like they know each other. His plan B, if it didn't work out, was going to dental school. So there's that. All right. So, you know, back to, like, not even being on the top 200 draft list. He's now number nine on the top 100 prospect list. And he says, this is so much fun. That's just all I think about. Where else would I want to be, man? This is yeah. awesome. Wow. Man, at 21, doing it all, like being married and being in major league, like. They're... And his his I was gonna say coworkers, but yes, his teammates yeah. all say the how chill and like even keeled and calm he is. Like, um, Bochi actually said, I'm not sure he realizes he's in the major leagues because he's not at all worked up about this. <laughs> yeah, so he's pretty steady. Yeah, well, especially in the the postseason. The guy I'm about to talk about had a little bit of a freeze in the postseason, which is normal. You know, you can sort of say, all right, if you're just coming into league, like, and you're just faced with the postseason, it makes sense that you're going to get a little nervous about it. But, all right, power to you and and Evan. All right, we're going over to those Phillies. And I'm super excited about Johan Rojas, center fielder, 23 years old. So another fairly young and signed at age 18 in 2018 out of the Dominican Republic because he stuck out, and this is what makes him like 
what what I love about potty mouth picks are guys with a lot of energy and like the clown of the cup clubhouse and the guy who's gonna hype everybody up and that is Johan Ro- Rojas the um, Phillies outfield coordinator who spotted him back then said he was running around like his hair was on fire he was like a wild Mustang on the field so after he uh, signed he bought his parents MILB.com so that they could follow along from the Dominican Republic he uh, subscribes to the Nick Castellanos School of Buttons. Woo, so when he was in the minors, he unbuttoned as much as he could at all time. So last year, he debuted on July 15th and buttoned up, thinking that, okay, I'm up here in the big leagues. I'm going to button this up. And Nick looked at him and was like, oh, no, you don't have to do this. And they were <laughs> literally jogging onto the field, and he reached over and unbuttoned his button, and it never again rebuttoned. And he feels that that was key in, in loosening, you know, loosening him up, you know, chilling him out a little bit and making him feel comfortable. Castellanos complimented him, said he's a smart kid, he asks all the right questions. Mm. And while he was up for more time and got a little looser, more buttons became unbuttoned. And an athletic article that I saw from September said that, and I quote, now Rojas is at least three buttons deep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he leaned into it. So he came up from double A, never played in triple A because wow. Christian Pache had a, had, had a loose screw in his elbow. Ouch. And he had been raking in double A with a 306 average, 845 OPS, 30 stolen bases, and then was up for 59 major league games with 302 average, two home runs, 23 RBI, and 14 stolen bases, 771 OPS, plus sexy, what they called gold glove caliber defense. So we'll see what that happen, what happens with that from next year, but they, they put him in center, and he plays a very wide center field. And so Nick Castellano said he definitely commands the outfield, not like a rookie. He's a great teammate. He's energetic. And Brandon Marsh said, the dude's 22 years old, playing like he's a 10-year-old, 10, not 10-year-old, 10-year, 10-year vet out there. So it's awesome. And both of them joke that he makes their jobs easier. Where, whereas if you look at it sort of more technically, it allows them to get into the corners of the outfield to pay more attention to those balls that go in tricky places because anything in the middle, Rojas is going to cover. He knows he needs to earn the job. Even before the whole Whit Merrifield thing, it's you know it's not a given. He's still young. Um, he took the off season very seriously, knowing that he has to work to stay in the outfield. He worked from eight thirty to three o'clock daily, working out, and he gained between like eleven or twelve pounds of muscle. So we will see where that brings him for this year. And in, while he was in the DR, he worked out with Tatis Jr. and Robinson Cano, and he talked a lot about getting advice from Cano. And, sort of, and, and Cano, at 41 years old, did an amazing job keeping himself fit this year and playing in lead-on. So I think workout advice from Robinson Cano is a, a good thing to do. His parents uh, came to the United States in the, for the first time ever. So they didn't watch him play at all in the minor leagues. Um, didn't watch him when he first came up, missed the, missed the debut. They brought him up at the end of September because he was getting the Paul Owens Award for the Phillies' top minor league position player. 
While they were up, they watched uh, one of the very end-of-season games, and he hit a walk-off single in the bottom of the tenth that clinched the playoff spot for the Phillies. So you come up from the award, you see him clinch the playoff spot in a crazy walk-off in the bottom of extra innings. And then after celebrating with the team, he did the right thing and went and celebrated with his parents and had one of those moments like, we're all here in the United States. This is an amazing thing. Look at how far you've come. Mom cried. All the emotions. And then huge props to the Phillies for making it work with their visas for them to stay throughout the postseason. So not only did they come up from that, but they stayed. Lots of quotations from his teammates about his character. From Double A's teammate Carlos De La Cruz said, he's always fun, always laughing, always joking around. He just has energy, so the team is never down. And Christian Pache said, dude, it's been a long time since I saw an outfielder that gave me such joy watching him play. So I am excited to have some joy by watching Johan Rojas play for the Phillies next year. Yeah, he's going to be great. It, I, I enjoyed watching him in the postseason for sure. All right. So for Philadelphia, I picked Bryson Stott, second baseman, 26. And honestly, when I watched him play in the postseason, I kept thinking, have I picked him? That's, I, I did that too. I like because, looked, double looked. Well, and he's actually kind of perfect for, for, for both of us as somebody that we okay. would like to talk about. So he's from Las Vegas, Nevada. You might be familiar with another Phillies player who is mm. from Las Vegas. The Harper family and the Stott family know each other because, you know, you play baseball in Vegas, you know each other. Uh, Bryson's uh, kind of power hitting came to the floor during T-ball. Apparently, in T-ball, the other coaches would move the infielders to the outfield for their own protection because Bryson uh, was hitting dangerous Line drives, even when the other kids couldn't really swing the bat properly, so he got moved up to play with the older kids. When he was in high school, there was no draft interest in him whatsoever. He had a huge growth spurt. He was like 5'4 as a sophomore. He was a, he was 6'1 when he graduated as a senior, and then he put on a few more inches later. But like you were talking about with uh, Rob Manfred and wanting to just like go to the opposite opinion no matter what he says. <laughs> yeah. So that's how Bryson Stott was working. His dad... And his mom both went to UNLV. So both of his parents went to UNLV. His dad was a quarterback and his mom was a cheerleader. So right away, I got all up in my stuff. I'm like, eh, but you know, but it gets, it, I'm proved wrong here. So he immediately did not want to go to UNLV because his parents went and they wanted him to go. They're like, nope, sure. nope, nope. And then he toured it and he said, I wanted to leave, t- like, like, like leave town. I wanted to leave. But coming here and seeing everything they had to offer, I... I couldn't leave. Like, he loved it. He loved it. They had, like, everything. They, they, he felt right at home there. The facilities were good. The program looked great. So, sure enough, he had a great college career. He was a semifinalist for the 2019 Golden Spikes Award, the one that Adley Rushman won. That was that year. He was a finalist for the Brooks Wallace Award, which is the nation's top collegiate shortstop. When he was a sophomore in college, he led the whole nation with doubles at 30. And then, you know, draft time, the Phillies picked him in their first round, right? $3.9 million signing bonus for their first round draft nah. pick of Bryson Stott. So he made the opening day roster in 2022. It's a debut April 8th with a single, a double, and a run bat, run bat in versus the A's. So a really good start, right? You know, in June, walk off three-run homer versus the Angels. Having a great time in 2022. They didn't have like a 
a solid home. He was very much a utility. So he was a utility player for all of 2022. He played 83 games at shortstop, 47 at second base, um, two at third base. And then um, Segura, who was a regular second baseman, left. Trey Turner arrived and took over at shortstop. So all of a sudden he had a permanent home at second base for the 2023 season, which started off with a bang. He had a seven, from the first game, a 17 game hit streak to start the season, which broke a record that had been in place since 1950 for a consecutive hit, you know, a, a, a hitting streak from the beginning of the season on. His biggest moment in his career so far was in the wild card series versus the Marlins in game two, where he hit a grand slam and everybody went super crazy, as you might imagine. And he spiked the bat and Reese Hoskins, you know, former like favorite of our podcast has a famous bat spike. So the joke was he channeled his inner Hoskins when he <laughs> did that. And he said, I didn't really know I even did the bat spike. Garrett Stubbs told me I don't usually pimp home runs. I don't think I hit them. I don't think I hit them far enough to do that. <laughs> so I just kind of got cut off in the moment, I guess. So here's where Potty Mouth comes in. I think right. you and his mom um, have a, a lot in common in all the very, very best ways. Excellent. So his mom went to El Dorado High School um, outside of Las Vegas, where she now teaches. She was a PE teacher and the cheerleading coach there. In fact, she coaches, she coached Bryce Harper's sister as a cheerleader <laughs> there, right? Oh, man. Now for that same school, she runs a credit retrieval program. Um, it's a low-income school. She works with at-risk students every single day. She's like, the, the teacher's got like the snack pantry, you know, and like every once in a while, pieces just show up for her kids so make sure they have food. And like a lot of the athletes kind of gravitate towards her. And it, it, weirdly, it's like a lot of the soccer players kind of, and, and so um, Bryson said the first time she was late to a game, like one of his baseball games, was because she was at one of their games. Oh. And I was like, all right, she's not just our mom. She's a yeah. lot of people's mom. We always say she has thousands of kids instead of three. And even Bryce Harper says she's like the mother of every kid in the school. Oh, man. She's always been that way. And Bryson is always there for everybody as well. That's just how the family is. So if you follow Bryson's social media, you'll see lots of times where someone will say, oh, here's my kid with doing like their Bryson Stott, like birthday party. He's five, he's wearing his Stott jersey. Or um, there was one post where there was a, a, a Phillies fan that actually went to see them play in San Diego because it was cheaper than seeing them in Philadelphia. <laughs> and in those kinds of cases, Bryson Stott regularly finds those people and leaves tickets for them. Oh, wow. Like, I'm just going to buy you tickets. And he says, that's probably why I do the stuff that I do with fans. Um, you know, losing somebody or going through something, knowing I could help them just by leaving an $80 ticket to make their whole year. I don't even think twice about it. You want to help as many people as you can. My brother's like that. My sister's like that. I think it's just the kind of way that we were raised. And then, like, so her students, his mom's students are always like, your, you know, your son makes millions of dollars a year. Well, you, know, you got a signing <laughs> bonus, right? Why are you still doing this? And she says, I just know that I make a difference here every day. They may not have someone that pushes them or believes in them. There's been a lot of failure in their life. I mean, my motto is you can do anything you want to do. I've always told my kids to dream big. I tell him this. Um, you know, to, I tell um, Bryson this all the time. Yes, yeah, cool you play Major League Baseball <laughs> and you reached your goals. 
I love that for him because that's been his dream. But my dream as a parent is you want your kids to turn out to be good people. If you can be anything in the world, just be kind because you never know what people are going through. And I really think she's sort of like the equivalent of potty mouth. So I was really listening, thinking about you a lot because you're pretty great just like that. Aww, um, thank you. Uh, he and his fiance Drew have a baby daughter who was born in November, Braxton Grace Stott. So that's pretty fun too. And the photo that he posted of himself showing up at spring training said, hey, I've got spit up on my shirt. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe he'll have some of that new dad power. Um, Next week, we're talking about Houston and Milwaukee. All right. Hey, I was also born in November. So many connections. All right, so I'm many just connections. Show up at the Stop family for dinner and say, "Hey," and they'll feed you because you know they'll feed everybody. <laughs> Excellent. All right, we are out of the boyfriends and into other news, including lots of cool stuff with women in baseball. That it's super exciting that you know we've been doing this for seven-ish years or something like that. And there's just more and more to say. And, and usually there's more to say than we have time to say it. But Jen Powal is hopefully, and I'm, you know, fingers crossed, I'm hoping that she gets brought up to be the first woman umping a Major League Baseball game this season. She is going to be umping the Grapefruit League during spring training. And she's the first woman to um, umpire to work in spring training since Rio Cortizio in 2007. So that is way too long. I mean, it's, you know, when you're making these accomplishments, you don't want to take a break that long. So I'm glad that, you know, things are getting back onto the, the way that they should be. The first game that she will be umping is the Nats. Hey, Nats hey. Astros, February 24th, just around the corner. Um, at the start of the season, she's going to be a crew chief in A. So super close you know like anybody else somebody gets injured somebody gets brought up it could happen uh when i mentioned this as i was show prepping a little bit last night and and said that you know this is this is kind of sad that it's been so long for a major league baseball to come around my stepmom said and i quote her you aren't you ain't kidding me you aren't kidding me the other sports all have females and she is right the major league baseball is the last major sport you know as as far as the viewership i think goes to have a woman refereeing 27 years ago the nba had a woman nine years for the nfl and the World Cup two years ago. So we need to get with the program. There have been uh, one, two, three, four, five women who have umped in the minors. Um, and Jen has her, her own you know, background as a player, that she played softball at Hofstra, then moved to umpiring soon after, and has been in, um, umping in the minors since uh, 2016. Last year, she umped the AAA championship game. But she said... As a hitter, as a longtime athlete, it was a big deal to hit over 300, right? We know that. But as an umpire, we have to hit 1,000 every night or people are going to be bullshit. I added that part clearly. And the challenge <laughs> of it is that it's absolutely riveting. It's what makes me get back out there the next day. So to thrive on that challenge that you have to be perfect, otherwise people are going to pick you apart, like power to her for getting in there. So I'm very excited to see Jen Powell, and um, I know that a lot of other people are. I know Perry Barber also 
a woman who should have been umping in the major leagues has been really you know promoting this cause. Um, just a side note, as I've been trying to follow more and more women in baseball on social media, I saw that Kelsey Whitmore, who's a player in Staten Island, is being sponsored by Big League Chew this year. So nice. just to see All women, right. you know, getting attention and that bringing sponsorship. Sure. Why not? More of that, please. Excellent. So I don't know if it's a gen thing, but the other big news in okay. women in baseball is Jenny Kavnar, who was just hired to be the first woman to serve as a primary play-by-play announcer for a Major League Baseball team. She was hired by NBC Sports California to be the play-by-play announcer for the Oakland A's. She has spent the last 12 years as backup play-by-play for the Rockies. Does the pre and the post-game hosting, you know, you go do the the interviews and, you know, before the game starts and after the game finishes and, you know, kind of does a little bit of um, when, you know, other people are out, does the play-by-play. But now she's got the gig where it's hers all the time. She has 20 years of experience in sports broadcasting. 17 of them have been specifically in baseball. And apparently she's a five-time Emmy winner. So that's pretty amazing. In 2018, she became the first woman in 25 years to call a a televised play-by-play for Major League Baseball. It was a Padres-Rockies game. So she's, you know, been in the spotlight before, and now it's it's her real thing. She has called men's and women's college basketball and the Anaheim Ducks. And I think that hockey and basketball are so much harder to do play-by-play oh, yeah. fall, uh, play-by-play calls because it moves so much faster. But she's got all of this experience. Um, if you remember, this job became open. We talked about um, in our police blotter last year that um, her predecessor, um, Glenn Kuyper, was fired for a racial slur that may or may not have been accidental. The jury was out, but also he was out as well. Um, Jenny says, I'm excited to start my 18th season as a major league broadcaster with my good friend Dallas Braden and share our experiences with the loyal fans of the athletics. As we go on this ride together, I was really happy she worded it just like that. Yeah, the Athletics fans deserve something special, and her and Dallas Braden together, that sounds like a lot of fun. I want to I wanna be watching some of those games. Yeah, they actually do know each other. for They've known each other That's for several cool. years, so they have kind of that kind of rapport already. Hey, so for the police blotter, just to mm. follow up on the um, ongoing investigation into the theft and destruction of the Jackie Robinson statue in Wichita, um, the Wichita PD arrested Ricky um Alderete, who was 45 years old, on felony felony theft, aggravated criminal damage to property, and identity theft. I didn't oh. see anything about where that fits in yet. And they they so far at this point with at least this one person, they say they don't believe it was like a hate crime motivated, but it's a bronze statue. They believe he was just trying to like sell the bronze oh my for God. you know for for the cost of the metal. They do expect to make more arrests. If you remember, there's video of multiple people participating in this. So they say, we're not done yet, but this is where we are right now. Um, also in police blotter, because where else would you put information about the, um, the A's ownership? Uh, we talked before about how the A's ownership was looking for a home for the team after their lease runs out at the Coliseum this year and before a stadium is built, if a stadium is built, in Las Vegas. So they, they've been looking at Salt Lake City. They've been looking at Sacramento. They're also looking at a place called the Oakland Coliseum. Huh. They I've met that with, place. with city and county officials to discuss extending their lease for the time in between after they built such a good relationship with right. those people. Well, the Oakland mayor, who's my new favorite person, 
mm-hmm. apparently has decided, okay, I'm going to work with Major League Baseball to commit to ex- an expansion team. If I give in at all to this, we want something back, and we want to keep Smack. baseball in Oakland. If you're taking out taking our A's, we want a team back. So the chief of staff put it this way. If a three-year extension was to be offered and granted, then our expectation is the city of Oakland would retain an MLB team. I recognize that A's president Dave Cavall and John Fisher are not in a position to negotiate that point, so I think our further conversation will have to include the commissioner. So good for them. Good yeah, for them. It's absolutely. like, yeah, you want us to do this thing? What have you done for us lately? Right? All right. We, we now have, like, a, a favorite mayor. We do. We do. Hey, um, briefly, in cross-training... T- Friday night's Professional Women's Hockey League game between Toronto and Montreal set a record for attendance at a women's hockey event. They sold, they sold out 19,285 seats at the wow. Scotiabank Arena. This is more than any Olympic, NCAA, or World Championship women's hockey game, right? So the Scotiabank Arena is the home of the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Raptors, right? So it is where the professionals play it's where the boys play we've talked about that before and this happened because they've been playing at a 2600 seat venue um the the toronto team and they sold out all 12 of their home games so they worked with the scotia bank arena to find a date that was still available given the maple leafs and the raptors and concerts and all the things they found a date and the date sold out within minutes within minutes there is an audience for women's sports people make it happen that is so encouraging because it you know goes to all the naysayers because if you you got to make it available i mean people don't watch when they don't know about it and they don't have a way to do it and they don't have a place to go but if you make it accessible and exciting and and market it look what's that's so cool that's so exciting now the montreal team is like hey um our our arena is bigger than that maybe we can try to beat that record which i love it's like great do it yeah. Do it. Build the game, my friends. Um, hey, what do you have going on this week? Anything? Oh, shit. Um, spring I training. Don't. Yeah, we got to catch the start of spring training next week. That's great because spring happens soon after spring training. And, <laughs> and then spring break happens soon after the start of spring. And I will be feeling a lot more better, more better when I get a little bit of vacation time. And this weekend's been lovely. It's good to have. Yeah. Like, it's nice to be looking forward to a four day week work week instead of a five-day work week. So that's yeah, that's pretty I, much about it. Nothing else jumps out. How about you? Yeah, no, um, I had I, I took Friday off, so I have a four-day weekend, which has been super great. Oh, so, so four-day good. weekend, four-day work week. It's going to be really good. I like it. Um, I'm also going to spend some time trying to figure out boyfriends for Houston and Milwaukee. So if you, our friends out there, have ideas for that, please send them along to us on social media. And as Potty Mouth mentioned before, we're um, getting ready to... Um, open up our fantasy league so if you want to play fantasy baseball with us let us know in any of the many many ways you can potty mouth you want to tell people how they can find us sure you can find us on dark x or happy blue sky at (laughs) ncib podcast you can also find us in facebook and instagram at no crying in b-ball you can support us on patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash no crying in b-ball and we have a lovely community there with um lots of we put on some bonus chats that we do every week and we're really open to suggestions and also, if you donate at a certain level, that would be, I mean, our minimum is a buck a month. So just, you know, look in your glove compartment, find the change, throw it at us. 
But if you donate at $5 a month, you get us to say something on the air of your liking. And that is going to be coming up very soon. It's not happening today because we are at a distance. But one of our wonderful Patreon friends, Chris, sent me an item that you guys will find out about next week. And Patty's going to talk about next week. And I'm all excited. So that's just a little bit of a cliffhanger to tune in and also come to our, our Patreon community because it's a fun place to be and we're ever so close to breaking even. And some of our Patreon friends have said, you know, we really should be buying you guys a beer, which I, I really appreciate. And I would love it if we can get to the point where our beer is also being paid for. But I would be happy if we get to the point where our technical <laughs> things are being paid for. So cheers to that. Cheers to that. Oh my gosh, my friends. Um, get your booster because it's time for that. It's past time for that, maybe. Um, if you have some game balls and you're going to start getting some in spring training, I'm sure you are. Make sure you send those to Meredith. Fight the man. It's the right thing to do. And until next week, say goodnight, potty mouth. Good night, potty mouth. Still putting this better be one fuck of a squad shot because it's <laughs> taken a long time for it to put together. <laughs> we better look like stellar. <laughs>